you won't see it from down the back. But while I was speaking last week, someone took the time to draw what they said was a picture of me. And then they gave it to me as a gift. Flat, it, it is flattering, yes, it is flattering, absolutely. Though the eyes, hair and beard make me look like a fly. Um, for those at home, who knows, maybe I'll post it online. But it's now my page saver, how's that? Just so that person can feel loved and appreciated. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I'm actually excited about today because um, I was excited about when I was sharing last week because for those that weren't here, part of looking at Thessalonians last week was the, the ability for us to actually look in and see that we need to be childlike. And there was a really simple example that I, that I used because if in being childlike, part of that is you and I recognising that each and every one of us are children. Yeah. Now we know for those who've got kids and grandkids, some kids are more mature than others. Yeah. So being childlike and knowing that people are children means this, that we have a knowing within us that each and every person has the need to be fed, to be nurtured, to be cared for, to be loved, to be held, because every child needs that. So if you and I, in our childlike, not, not um, childish you know, state, if we're aware of that, when we see someone that is struggling, someone that's new to faith, someone that's carrying a burden, someone that just looks like they've got this heaviness, we can actually walk up to them and we can be the bringers of that love, that care, that nurture. Yeah? Now the childish person is the one that looks and goes, why do they get all that person's attention? Why is everyone speaking to them? Why aren't they speaking to me? You can hear it, can't you? It's very childish. The truth is, if we're going to be childlike and trust in God and we know that everyone's a child that needs that love, even in my own need, as I step out to love someone else, I should have an inner assurance that God will then look after me through someone else. Yeah? Really important, and you and I be the children of God that God has called us to be. Is that fair? Because let's face it, a majority of anything that happens in church life where there are, there's dysfunction or there's splits or you know one person doesn't like it's always because someone isn't being childlike they are being childish because it always very simply someone just needs to be Jesus well it has to be them no 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 you can be Jesus too yeah is that cool so from that point I'm going to continue on in Thessalonians because I, I love that Paul consistently even in those those metaphors and those examples shows us Jesus. And so we looked at, you know, part of a beating heart of a Christian, but a beating, healthy beating heart of a Christian community is being childlike. Today we're going to go a bit further and, um, because part of this is our discipleship, part of this is our spiritual formation. I actually, I really, I don't like the word discipleship very much because most of the Western world is so focused on discipleship and they've got these programs and these plans and no one actually grows in faith because a, a, a discipline is a good thing. So discipleship's good, but discipleship has to lead us to some sort of spiritual formation so that we grow in Christ. Yeah? 
But there is a quote by Tim Keller. He uses the word discipleship. I'm going to change it to spiritual formation. And Tim Keller says, there is no more important means of discipleship or spiritual formation than deep involvement in the life of the church. So we want to unpack some of that today. But we're going to pray first. Is that all right? So Father, very simply, have your way in this place today. Lord, move in any fashion that you need to move in. God, may we not be the blockage. Father, may we be the conduit. May we, Lord, if we're in the way, help us get out of the way so that you can do what you want to do. Father, this day, Lord, shape us, mould us more and more into the image of your son Jesus with ever-increasing glory. Prune us in areas, Father, where we're not as we should be. And God, may we truly be the hands and feet extended, Lord, of your Son, Jesus. So Lord, bless this day, bless this morning in Jesus' name. You know, look, for many of us, some people have a, a, a natural, a barrier, a blockage when it comes to Christian community, when it comes to fellowship, when it comes to actually enjoying this. Yeah? I, I like this. I don't know, you can call it church. If you don't like the word church, call it fellowship. don't like fellowship. I like the gathering of the saints. Yeah, I enjoy that. I enjoy being with people that are going to actually encourage me in my spirit as well because, let's face it, life's full of ups and downs, ebbs and flows, true? So there are often, there are people sometimes that keep to themselves. There are people that, that at times feel like they don't, they don't quite fit in with those that are around them. That's okay. We all are going to have moments where we don't feel like we quite fit in. Yeah? We don't all dress the same. We don't all have the same shapes and sizes. Some of us have got luscious, beautiful, lovely hair that we can play with in the morning and others have none at all. You know, we're not, sorry. You know, we're not always going to feel like we fit in. But the truth is we do, because if we've been made alive with Jesus, then there's a genuine love, not just for him, but for his people. Is that fair? A genuine love for fellowship. You know, I love it that historically they called it the communion of the saints. I, I love that. And that's what we experience, not just at communion time, but from the moment that we walk through the door, the moments that we catch up with each other, we do coffees and dinners, we do those things. That's the communion of the saints that's alive and well, amen? A little bit parched, excuse me. So, I call it family. We call it family. We change the name of the church specifically. You know, family life. Family life church, but it's family. So when people say you don't need to come to church, but you don't need a family? Really simply rebuttal for me. You don't need a family? Oh, that's really sad. Because I know moving up to Ballarat with Mel when our boys were young and our parents were in New South Wales or in Melbourne itself, it was really difficult because we didn't have family to help when the boys were young. I, I think if we're all children that need love, care, nurturing, support, we need family, I mean. Yeah? So, we're going to continue with Second First uh, Thessalonians chapter two, and there's, we've looked at that that verse in verse seven where it's we're, we're children, we're like children. Paul talks about us being children, but he actually brings up two other metaphors that I want to unpack for us in the time that we've got. And one of those is the metaphor, the picture of a mother. Yeah, 
And this is so important because everything about God, from the Old Testament to the New, is family. He constantly, over and over and over again, uses pictures and words that describe a family. And so here Paul gives us you know, the line about being childlike and then he moves into this wonderful place of we actually we do stuff as a mother, we do stuff as a father. And so that's what I want to look at today because it's important for us to know what it is to be childlike, not childish, but in that same breath, to act as a mother to people and also to act as a father to people. The book of Thessalonians is, is actually a really good book when it comes to leadership itself. The truth is I don't think you can beat the Bible when it comes to stuff about leadership. You know, I, I love reading books on leadership when I read. <laughs> I love reading stuff about the Holy Spirit and that motivates me to, to, to elevate, so to speak, you know, because it leaves me hungry and wanting more. But there's, there's stuff in the Word that it helps us to be better in who we are. It helps us to be better leaders because I think we are all leaders. We're kings and priests. We're all leaders. But even in that, we need to learn to be servant leaders and we need to be people that can be led as well. And, and Paul just gives us this beautiful picture about us and about getting into the word, about grabbing hold more and more of our true identity as sons and daughters of God. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7 and 12, we'll read it quickly. The two metaphors, mother, and, mother love and father love, will come out as I read it. Because last week we looked at, instead we were like young children among you. It's where we were last week. What did that mean? And we unpacked it. Continuing on from that, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil, our hardship. We work night and day in order not to be burdened to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, blameless we were among you who believed. Verse 11. For you know that we dealt with each other as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. So the first, the first thing that, that's unpacked there, because it's, it's really full, it's rich, is the mother love, the, 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 that example that, that comes through. See, to describe, he uses this mother love, this metaphor, to describe the way he ministers to the Thessalonians. And it's an example of how we should actually minister in family to each other, to whoever walks through the doors, to those that we meet out and about in the community, how we should minister to them. You know, generally speaking, when I'm thinking about motherly caring, I, I think of my wife, I think of Mel. You know, I do have my own mum, she's 89, she's doing well, she still cooks fabulously, but generally speaking, when I think about mothering and all that entails, I, I, I think of her. You know, my wife, she loves her devotional time. She loves sitting there and reading the Word. I mean, she's a brilliant preacher because of that, I think, because she gets to share the, the heart of God. She spends hours during the week just in prayer, on and off, in the morning, middle of the day, if I upset her, off she goes, more prayer, you know, usually, that probably happens multiple times a day, you know, anyway, but she's constantly in the scriptures, and, and 
particularly when, when our church is in the middle of friendship groups and we're running friendship groups, she does that even more just so that the groups themselves can be blessed. You know, that's who she is. And when it comes to my sons, the, the word no doesn't exist. I have to be the bearer of all the bad. No, you can't have money. No, I won't get you food. No, get it yourself. No, go to the fridge. No, leave your mum alone. No, 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 no. Like that, I have to do that. Because when they go, mom, she's like, she's on death row, death's bed. And she hears this, mom, and she's like, yes, my sons. You know? And I was elevated to this other level, this energy that springs up inside her to make sure that they get fed. Oh, no, no, don't, don't leave your bedroom. Don't leave your bed. No, no, you don't have to wash that cup, those plates, those knives and forks, your clothes. No, you don't have to make your bed, vacuum your room. No, no, I'll do it for you because I love you. That's what I... That's what I think of when I think of mothering. The point is that she's continually dying to self. Yeah? And that reality gives me some insight to what Paul is trying to get across to us in Thessalonians. So, motherly caring. Verse, verse 7 says, Instead we, we were like young children among you. Look at that last week. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to do everything for I mean, to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. These are actually pure motives. Paul has pure motives. And, and, and it's possible for a believer to live with pure motives. Because the, the, the truth is, those who have impure motives think everybody else around them has impure motives. If you're a liar, you think everybody else when they speak to you is lying. It's just the way it works. But here, this is, this is pure motives. And Paul is saying, we loved you in a truly caring way. That's what he's saying. And it, it's impossible, or I should say it's possible to live a victorious Christian life in a humble, sacrificial way. It really is. And, and for God to get all the glory. In fact, for you and I, it's not only possible, it's a life that we must live, that we have to live. We've got to get this, yeah? And Paul say, says, this is the way that we loved. I mean, he and his small missionary team, they lived like Jesus. They had the character of Jesus formed inside of them, yeah? And they became more and more like Jesus. And the fruit of the Spirit, because of that, started to be manifest through that Thessalonian community. It's such a beautiful picture. And that second part of verse 7 says, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, the, the first picture is of a, of a nursing mother. Yeah? You, you've got you've to use your imagination here because it starts to break down how you and I should be with one another. Yeah. Think of a nursing mother. She nurtures her baby for months in her body and then she nurtures the baby for years on her body. Yeah? holding the child as close as possible as she can, true? And aren't we taught, my, my middle daughter Brooke made sure that she had a, a full 40 days, except for immediate family, as in mum and dad, mum and dad, yeah, where it was just her, Joe, and my grandson, because she wanted to do skin to skin for as long as possible without any 
other interruption because as far as she was concerned, it's the most important time for the baby. Scientifically, they tell us that that skin-to-skin touch is important for a child. And now, I know this is a metaphor, <laughs> but we need to dive into this example to pull out what, what Paul's trying to say to us because how do we apply that to Christian community? How do we apply the picture of skin-to-skin, a nursing mother, to Christian community? It's really simple. It's, it's a heartbeat-to-heartbeat relationship. Yeah? It's a mutual relationship. It's, it's letting ourselves actually be vulnerable because skin-to-skin is us. Yeah, there's nothing hidden, <laughs> you know. Nothing, well, well, something should be hidden. There's nothing hidden. But in our relationship with one another, it, it, it's this close proximity. So really this passage of a child being fed by the mother, it's an image that, I mean, let's face it, so many people today when they see a, a baby being fed by the mother, naturally, so many people are embarrassed some are offended, yet it's the very thing that God created. I don't know why we're being offended by it. Don't look. You know? <laughs> Maybe cover up better, but don't look. But Paul says, in a way, I didn't stand over the cot and preach to you. What I actually did was I nursed you. I nursed you. People don't need us to preach to them. Yeah. They need to be nursed. They need to be loved. They need be, to be cared for. They need to be held. They need to, us, us to be genuine people. Amen? Yeah. You know, Paul's emotionally involved. He's present. Just like when a baby cries, man, I know there are extremes. But generally speaking, when a baby cries, you get up, don't you? Yeah? Even if you're doing controlled crying. After two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, eight minutes, whatever it is, you still get up because you have to nurse the child. It's a full-time job. It's an all-in. You don't have an option. And, and this is an all-in example because it's all-in when it comes to leadership. It's all-in when it comes to pastoring. It's all-in when it comes to being a follower believer of Jesus. It's all-in. And when you see a baby crying, you don't have an option to turn your back just because you don't like the clothes they wear. You don't like the F-bombs that they drop when you have a conversation. Who gives a fudge? Oops. Yeah? It's about heart. Heartbeat to heartbeat. Shoulder to shoulder, hand to hand. Close. Close proximity. You know, I feel sorry for the believer. I feel sorry for a pastor when that becomes a job to them. I feel sorry for them. A job to nurture those that are around us. Because ministry is about people. Have a look around, legitimately. Now, look around. Look around the room. This is your ministry. Look at the people's faces. That's them. Oh, I don't like that face. That's okay, neither do I. Minister to them anyway. This is our ministry. Those that are here, those that are out there, those that are around us, it's our ministry. You know, you, we're called to be kings and priests. I love the fact that Jesus said, feed my sheep. So feed the ones that God has placed before us, around us, beside us. That's the real deal. That's, that's the real thing, amen? You know, and, and people, people are called to be loved, to be cherished, to be served. And Wherever Paul was, he loved, he cherished, he served those that were around him. That's what he did for the Thessalonian church. 
You know, I love the fact that Paul wasn't in it for the money, wasn't in it for status, wasn't in it for ambition. He loved them, and I love this because it says it in the Word back in chapter 1. He loved them for a lifetime. Whenever he prayed, he prayed for them. Whenever he prayed for them. I love that. He was a shepherd, loving, caring, nursing mother. And let's be real, a mother can never, ever forget her child. Yeah. Never, ever forget. It doesn't matter how old they are. Yeah, a mother never forgets their child. And we're called to be like that, to have this motherly love. You know, uh, last week we looked at being childlike, but this week, this mother and father example, what we're seeing is Paul ministering to the Thessalonians now. You know, in a couple of weeks after Gary, seriously, if you haven't set next week aside, for those that are at home, let's be honest, don't be lazy, get out of bed. If you don't miss Gary Morgan, not because he's special, but because the anointing that's upon him that he moves in is special. I believe each and every one of us can, is prophetic. I really believe all of us can hear from God for others, but he carries the office of a prophet. And I, there's very few people like Gary that I have seen that move so wonderfully and so intuitively and hear so well the Holy Spirit. So please, 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 make sure you hear. I cancel stuff. Make your lunch later. Man, I'll get into it. You know what? I'm urging you, as a father does. Yeah? Because there, nothing, nothing is more important than getting into the presence of God. Nothing. There are you know, extreme circumstances. But, I mean, you've got an opportunity to get into the presence of God. Make it. Do it. Yeah. Nothing better. Anyway, that was for free. Also, next week, for those that are at home that are here, I think we're going to have overflow next week. Yeah. So we've been trying to put it together. I just needed some small things to fall into um, place, some jigsaw pieces, and I got a confirmation about 10 minutes ago. So our overflow is our night service it starts at 6 o'clock. Yeah, we'll go 6. That'll do. 6 o'clock. We'll go 6 o'clock. goes for an hour and a half. It is a soaking prayer time with the Lord. Yeah, we may even have some meditation time beforehand. I'll let people know somehow, social media, emails, etc. But come, if you enjoy the presence of God, come. It'll be on next week. Amen. Keep moving forward. Verse 8 says, So we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. You can sense the true affectionate nature that Paul has for the Thessalonians in that. And, and I really think that you and I need to be able to respond to that. You, know, you and I need to be able to pause and apply that to our lives this affectionate side of Christianity. And, and, and for you and I to be able to say that a church family needs caring. Yeah? A church family needs to be cared. You know, Mel and I constantly talk and, and truly we thank God for our church, Family Life Church. We, we thank God for the people in this church, the heart that people have grown to have for one another and that we want to continue to nurture and see grow. You know, the, the truth is we need a heart for one another. We need tenderness for one another, don't we? 
you know, there needs to be affection between one another. I, I, I love hearing the stories, you know, of this person. You know, th this person was doing it tough and so we heard about that and we went and visited them and in the end we ended up cooking them some meals or this person needed to get here and they weren't able to get there so we gave them a lift. And then some family says, oh, we invited this family over. We wanted to get them, get to know them a little bit better. And, oh, we ended up looking after their kids because they, they had this. And I love it when it happens so naturally within the church, church-loving church church more so family being family yeah you know second second thing that comes out of this is this spirit of caring because verse 9 and 10 becomes a picture of of labor <laughs> we go from nursing to labor just bear with me you know it's a, a bit of a mixed picture because we actually see in these verses yes there has to be care but with labor there has to be commitment and every mother i would imagine says, yes, if I'm going through labour, there's a commitment there. There's care and there's commitment. It takes commitment to go through labour to give birth. And, and the truth is, that's where love's made concrete, you know, in that time together. You know, you can see it as you read it, that Paul and his team, they, they toiled and they had hardship. And then in verse 3, chapter 1, that we did a few weeks back, you know, we read about the neighbour that's prompted by love, the endurance inspired by faith, the will produced by faith, I should say endurance inspired by hope. But Paul keeps reminding us that it's hard work. And I've not yet met a woman that says that labour was easy. Anyone going to say it was easy? Maybe the, you could be, you had an easy one, just pop! Well, look, there's a baby. Wow, that's so good. You know, like, going to have to work on those pelvic floor exercises now. Anyway, it's generally hard work. And sometimes you hear of people that don't have a two-hour labour. They have a four. They don't have a four. They have an eight. They have an eight. They have a 16. They have a 16. They've been in labour for 24. But that takes commitment. After an hour, no, no, probably after 15 minutes, I would give up. No, I'm not doing this. I'm out. Sorry. Do what you have to do. Put me to sleep. Take it out. I'm done. My boys were laughing at me recently because I was doing some gardening. And, and seriously, I must have been oh, at least an hour short of an hour and a minute. And, and, and I'm trying to manic some dirt that's really hard. And I've just stopped. I felt like, wow, this is awesome. I've done such... Because I had a, a four by three metre plot of soil that I had to Maddox and after I'd done some work I thought oh wow I've smashed out half of it and I go back and I've done about this much by that much that's all I've done and then as I'm looking at it I can't believe that's taken me so long I'm, oh crap oh crap my son start laughing at me I put my hands on the wheelbarrow and I just go to move the wheelbarrow I stop oh crap crap oh they keep laughing what are you laughing at like, I'm trying, this is hard work. You know, you know, like he's laughing at me, and he says to me, he goes, I cramp too. After I run 15Ks, after I play two games of football, but not after I move a wheelbarrow for two seconds. Oh, really? Tough guy, have the Maddox, you do it. It takes commitment to have a baby. And here Paul is saying, yeah, there's this motherly labour, this example. Because once, women, is it true that once you give birth, yeah, again, sweeping generalisation, you are now a mum for the rest of your life. Yeah? You and I, yes, we're childlike, yes, we're children of God, but we need to act with each other like mums act with their children for the rest of our lives. 
So if someone is still childish, we still love them. We still nurture them. We still care for them. Because sometimes it's hard work being a Christian. But it's rewarding. Amen? Surely, you remember verse 9 says, Brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship, we work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel to you. It's such a beautiful picture of motherly love, of, mother, of, of labour, because labour is where it all begins. It's no child without... Well, actually, it does begin before that. We're not going there. So it starts at labour. And going on what I'm told, it takes awesome power for a woman to go into labour and give birth. Yeah? I mean, that's commitment. I'm giving birth now, I'm a mum the rest of my life. That's the reality. There's a caring, there's an affection, a tenderness, but there's also commitment. A lot of parenting is really tough. You know, parenthood is hard work. Being a mother is hard work. And being a Christian, being a part of the body, part of the family, sometimes has that same struggle to it. That same labour and service about it. But our labour is not in yeah. Maybe you're already loving, caring, nurturing, nurturing, serving. Thank you. Good. Great. Keep it up for the rest of your life. <laughs> you know, this motherly example, it's one thing to labour, it's one thing to work and to do stuff and to go through the routine. But then Paul says in verse 10, you are witnesses and so is God of how holy, righteous and blameless we were among you who believed. So a mother and a shepherd needs to love and labour. But you and I, we also need to be holy. Hello? We need to be holy. We can't do God's work in an unholy way. James 1.20 says, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. In other words, it's saying that man's anger doesn't bring the righteous life that God wants from us. We have to do Christian work. We have to do the will of God in a righteous way, in God's way. Is that fair? I mean, I know this, this can be a little bit tough in a sense, but if sin creeps in, it affects the whole thing. And if you don't like the word sin, we'll change it. Let's, let's say, if you do stuff with ulterior motives, <laughs> if you let that creep in, you let bitterness creep in, you let unforgiveness creep in, you let unreconciliation, if that's even a word, creep in, if you let that all creep in, actually what happens, we start acting that stuff out. And in the end, it becomes destructive and it ruins everything, all the work that we've done. Instead, if we're holy, if we're trusting God, if we're obedient to, to him, there's a blessing that comes from that. And we see here this motherly example, the example of a, of a good mother. Yeah? The example of Paul. And Paul isn't scared to say, hey, you guys saw what I was like. You're, you're my witnesses. You saw that we weren't out for money. You saw that we weren't out for ourselves. In fact, what you saw is that the kingdom was first. That's a mother's love. So you and I, we have to be childlike. We, we can't be childish. We need to recognise that each and every one of us is a child of God that needs love, that needs care, that needs nurture. And then we need to be able, as we mature, step towards someone in that mother love to nurture them, to bring them close, to know that sometimes in that it's going to be tough and it may be a while. Yeah? And then you've got this father love, like a, Paul just keeps going, you know, we've looked at children and then we've looked at mums and now we're going to look at dads. 
You know, Paul knew the contrast between these two examples, you know. We loved you like a mother, but hey, you know, verse, verse 11 says, For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. Now, experts tell us, you know, they tell us that sometimes it's really hard for people to hear a message when it comes to fatherhood, the fatherhood of God, because they've had some sort of negative experience in their own life, yeah? And there are so many, particularly in this season, that seem to, to have those pictures. And that's understandable. But the scripture, the scripture is here for our blessing. And whether we struggle with it or not, Paul has a really clear idea of what father's like and what we need to be like. Yeah? And what we need to aspire to. Every one of us is called to have that nurturing mother love. But also every one of us is called to have that part of fatherhood that Paul is trying to call out, to single out here. You know, what's, what was meant by a father? I think the Thessalonians understood because I think they had a sense of the father, especially as a teacher, yeah, and, and, and as a living example. You know, and of course, mothers are teachers as well. Mel has taught my boys so much. Mothers are examples as well. We know that. But from this passage... What Paul seems to be emphasising is the caring side of the mother and the teaching side of the father. But that can be a challenge for us dads. In fact, it's a challenge for all leaders, in fact, all believers, because if you and I are kings and priests, then we need to be able to set an example and to be able to teach those that are around us. So what does it look like to be a father? Verse 12 says, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. The first word's encourage. We have to be encouragers. We've got to be encouragers. I love the fact that my wife is the most awesome encourager. Like, continually, always, for everyone. I'm, I'm not picking on her because she's my wife. It's just the truth. Yeah? Because I can walk into my house sometimes and I'm not a natural encourager. I'm an observer. And as an observer, she's laughing already, right? As an observer, I see stuff. And so I call that stuff out before I've encouraged. And then so they think that I'm criticising them in their life, but I'm not. I'm just adding commentary to help them be better people. That's what she does when I explain it like that too. But I think it's a father thing. So I love the fact that my wife's encouraging me. Paul's telling us that as fathers, we need to be encouraging. We're supposed to encourage all of us, both of us, backwards and forwards. We're supposed to encourage each other. Encourage actually means you're going to love the dictionary meaning because the, the third part, the last part is so special. Encourage means this. Give support? Yeah, okay. To give confidence? Okay. Or to give hope to someone? Man, I love that. Are you and I not called to give hope to people that are around us? Yes, we're children of God that need to be loved and nurtured, but in our maturity, let's step towards showing that mother love of God and father heart of God. And please, let's not get caught up. Well, God's not female. Please don't be so stupid that you can still breathe because the truth is that God is not sex. He's not male or female. He's a spirit. 
Just in case, let's get the theology right. He's a spirit. And yes, he's father God primarily, but he has attributes as a father and as a mother. Read the word. Yeah? Doesn't have an anatomy that keeps him locked in to one or the other. Okay? If you're struggling with that, read the word, you'll find that I'm right. And as my wife says, you're never wrong. <laughs> well, thank you for the truth, Mel. That's what? That's the way she meant it, isn't it? Oh, gosh, I think I've got a lot of growing to do. Anyway, encourage. Let's be bold, strong for the Lord. You know, let's, let's, let's encourage, let's lift, let's lift each other up. Let's, let's comfort one another because the second word's comfort. And, and that word is only used really very rarely in the Bible. The only other time that word is used is when the people came to Martha and, and Mary to comfort them when Lazarus was dead. It's that same comforting. So we've got to be a comforter. In other words, we need to encourage people, lift them up, but we need to bring a kind word in people's trials, in their temptations, in their tough times. It's a consoling. It's a, it's a kindness. And if you can't be kind, you're not being all that God's called you to be. So the Father love has to do all that. On one hand, we're encouraging, but on the other hand, we're being very tender. You know, when a father consoles a child, it's a really sweet thing. You know, it's a good thing for us to remember people, to remember dates, to remember stuff, because sometimes people are grieving and mourning, and it happens on a you know, rotational yearly basis. It's good for us to step into that, to comfort that. And I'm going to, why don't we stand, I'm going to finish with this. Because the third word that he uses there is urging. Oh, absolutely. And, and I'll, I'll jump on that because it's not a pushing, it's an urging. It's an urging. Because that scripture said that verse 12, encouraging, comforting, and urging. Yeah? And urging. A father urges. In this day of unprecedented distractions across the world today, right? People are distracted with everything. Everything, let's face it. If it's not sport, it's food. If it's not food, it's gaming. If it's not gaming, it's cars. If it's not cars, it's houses. If it's not houses, it's gardens. If it's not gardens, it's, it's one another. You know, like there's just there's ample enough of distractions in the, in the world today that we have to urge each other. In fact, I'll go as far as to say, you and I, we need to urge each other when it comes to the priority of worship. We need to be able to do that and not someone get offended. This is urging. So when I say, oh, I missed you at church, that's not me being an, uh -huh, an ass, it's me urging you into the things of God. And you should be able to do that for each other. I missed you. How's your reading going? How's your praying? Urge someone. Because he says really clearly that they urged you to live lives worthy of God. I have to do this before we go. I just can't leave it because that's all that's left. So I can't continue next week. 
You know, there are challenges in the culture that we've never had before. So we have to. Hear me, those who are at home, prioritise Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. We have to. Otherwise, he slips through our fingers. And we wonder why the Christian world and churches everywhere are slowly just dwindling in numbers or keeping their numbers. Because Jesus isn't a priority. Because people have stopped urging. Because when we urge, we might offend. And I'm not talking about being a street preacher on the corner. I'm talking about with friends. As a father urges his children in love. Come on, dude, you can do that. You fell off the bike. Don't worry. Get back up. I don't want to get back up. Look at my knee. Come on, you can do it. We'll fix that. Get back up. You got this. We urge. Jesus' people urge. You got this. It's so hard. It's the only day off I've got. I don't have any other time to rest. Wow. Six days busting your chops. And you don't want to bust them for Jesus. Come on, you got this. Get up, dust the gravel. You got this. Get up. I can't go out another night a week. I just can't. Friendship group, Bible studies, I don't care what you call them. Community groups, I can't do it. But I'll take my kids to work and to athletics and to calisthenics and to gymnastics and to football and to soccer and to tennis and to cricket, but I can't go to a Bible. Come on, dust the stuff off your knees. Urge people into the things of God. You know what? I'm preaching. You know, you should clap that because God is good. Look, you really hear this. I know you're being challenged, but you know what? As a parent, who's ever told their kids something they don't want to hear? Yeah. Come on. Over and over and over, my kids hear stuff from me they don't want to hear. No. No. Don't know. I don't even listen anymore. I just say no. Sometimes we have to say things that are tough. Think about it. Friendship groups. We should love them because if something happens to you, if you get the flu, if you get the other thing, COVID, that they reckon some people have got, I don't know if they've got it or not, right? Because half of them don't have symptoms, just that they've got it. And then, or if you disappear or you get discouraged, any of that stuff, you know what? There's a group that actually knows what's going on. There's a group that can pray for you. There's a group that can follow you up. There's a group that can cook you a meal. There's a group that can come over and mow your lawns. There's a group that can come over and lay hands on you. There's a group that can come over and help pack boxes as you move, yeah? yeah but if you're missing in action, no one knows. Oh, they didn't love me. Man, we didn't even know you existed. Urge one another. Matthew 26, 40. He returned to the disciples, he found them asleep, and he said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me for even one hour? Couldn't you, couldn't you watch with me for even one hour? Couldn't you come to church for even one hour? Couldn't you go and pray for that person even for half an hour? This is Jesus' words, not my words. I'm happy for you to rip it out of your Bible. I like my Bible intact. But if you're looking for it, Matthew 26, 40. Can we not give the Lord our full attention when we're with him? I mean, this is a crazy world that we're in and we've got this opportunity to find our contentment in Jesus. You and I, we have to let our hearts beat again for him. And I'm talking... Beat. And we're going to let our hearts beat again for one another. For those that are in the house, for our family. That is urging. 
That's what urging looks like. That's what it feels like. Because it stirs you up and it challenges you and it's like, oh, I don't know. And it's like, come on, you got it. That's what it's all about. The beating heart of a Christian community for family is realising that we're children that need mums and dads all around us. They will care and love and nurture, but will be committed because of the hard work. And yet when we need it, they will come alongside us and tenderly urge us. Yeah. Let's aspire to be that beating heart of Christianity, you and I. To be, in all our simplicity, childlike, motherly and fatherly. You know, the world doesn't have good examples. It just doesn't. It doesn't have real examples. But I'll tell you what the real examples are. Those that are beside you, behind you, in front of you, those that are at home, the believers. You and I are the real examples that the world and the community needs in Jesus' name. Is that fair? So, hey, if we're going to be those mums and dads, I'm going to ask you and encourage you to just lift your hands towards Jesus. And let's pray for that. Let's pray for an outpouring of that. You know, the enemy has turned so much of the world away from Father God and away from family. Family is such a nasty word. I read an article yesterday, I was sharing it with my son, about a couple that were in a church, but they weren't happy in the church because they had to be faithful to one another and they wanted to have an open relationship. And so they left the church. Now they've got this thriving open relationship and now their mum and dads that were once in church also have got open relationships. What a load of crock and they were championing that in an article. The world is doing so much to tear at the fabric of family, to tear at what it is to be a father, to tear at what it is to be a mother. Instead, you and I, we have the opportunity to bring people and to share the glory of God. So, Lord, in this place, God, help us to be childlike. Help us to be children of God. Lord, just understanding that, yes, I need to be loved. Yes, I need to be nurtured. Yes, I need to be cared for. It's, it's so important to know that you need it too. And God, I just pray that we would see the need in others, that we would step towards them in motherly love, that we would step towards them in fatherly love, that we would care for them, that we would love them, that we would nurture them, that we would have a skin-on-skin, close, intimate, real, genuine relationship with one another. And Father, where need be, where opportunity presents, Father, that we may step alongside each other, not only to care, Father, but to also urge when needed that we may be, Lord, your hands and feet extended, that we may be more and more shaped into the image of your son, Jesus, that those that we know that don't know you would come to know you through us. So, Father, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for your word. And all these people said, Amen. Amen. Let's be mums and dads. Let's drink coffee in excess and love each other in Jesus' name. <laughs>